Dynasty Podcast presents Dynasty Panelcasts, a live panel discussion with industry experts and innovative creatives. Hosted by Haima Black. No RSVP required. We are going to get started. Thank you guys all for coming out here tonight. Thank you to Chicago Athletic Association for hosting us here. Uh, this panel is called Chicago's Creative Makers Class. Uh, and after the panel, the manager of Dynasty Podcast with the red hair, Alice Hayes, she's going to get everyone's email address so you guys can keep up with these events because we have panels at least once a month. They're always free. They're always for creatives and entrepreneurs. So we would love to have more of you guys out here uh, for future events to find out you know, about what we're doing. We're always going to have great creative talent speaking on these panels. Um, so we'll grab email addresses afterwards. Please hang around. Alice will take care of that with you. Uh, tonight's panel, like I said, it's called Chicago's Creative Maker Class, and we have a really killer lineup here tonight. Um, some people we haven't had on the panel before, on the podcast before, so I'm excited. Directly to my left, we have Casey Middleton from Wayward Machine Company. Thank you for being here. Thank you. Yeah. Um, Sit closer. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. That's great. After that, we have Manny Rodriguez, uh, a.k.a. Manny Muscles. People hey, might know you from yeah. social media. Instagram. From yeah. Juggernaut. From DJing also. Yeah. Chuck, Chuck, Chuck. All right. There we go. We have Nadia Shabali. Did I get that right? Shalabi. Shalabi, sorry. Um, and let's move the mic a little bit closer. There we go. Uh, from Bangtel, really cool hospitality company. And I'm going to have each of you guys like talk about what you do. So I'm just giving the real brief introductions. And then Emma McKee, a.k.a. Stitch God, uh, well-known in Chicago for her apparel work uh, with a lot of hip-hop talent. So thank you all for being here tonight. I really appreciate it. Thank you. Thank yeah. you. Totally. Thanks for having us. So uh, let's go down the line. I know you guys, I gave you guys a really brief introduction, but let's have each of you talk about like, who you are and what you do, what kind of company you have. All right. I will start it out. My name is Casey. I am from Wayward Machine Company. We are an artisan metal fabrication shop that provides custom furniture and fixtures for the hospitality and interior design industry. Um, so we will be approached by an interior designer who has a client who wants a custom bed frame made, and we will problem solve the design with them and figure out the best way to fabricate something that's perfect for their client, that they can't buy at a store, um, that is perfect for their space. I actually have an interesting background. My background is in psychology, so it has absolutely nothing to do with metal fabrication or design. But my husband started the company two years ago, um, Bobby over there hiding, um, and I started working with him about a year ago full time. I was a therapist for a little bit, and then we moved to Chicago to start, actually to continue my husband's career in building vintage motorcycles. And we didn't expect that moving to Chicago to build vintage motorcycles would mean moving to Chicago to build 175 bar stools for a restaurant. <laughs> we found out really quickly that all of the tools and machines that we use to build motorcycles can easily be translated to pretty much anything inside of a home or a restaurant. So that's, it was all an accident. We started by one of our friends who worked for an interior design firm, asked us to make one light fixture, and we made that one light fixture, and it just snowballed out of control to the point where my husband closed the motorcycle um, business, and we went full-time um, into the interior design and hospitality industry. That's so cool. Yeah. Awesome. It's been a tornado. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's been good. That's punk. Yeah. Uh -huh. <laughs> very cool. Very, very cool. 
Um, so my name is Manny, Manny Rodriguez, a.k.a. Uh, I go by Manny Muscles. I DJ. I'm co-owner of uh, Juggernaut uh, Streetwear Boutique downtown, uh, actually not far from here on Dearborn and Congress. We do uh, our own clothing line. Um, we do a lot of, we used to do a lot, well, we do a lot of shows, parties, meet and greets, work with a lot of artists, local artists. Pretty much try to help a lot of the up-and-coming artists like rappers, DJs, producers, uh, you know, get noticed or provide an outlet for their music by doing shows and doing meet and greets. And um, yeah, we designed some pretty cool clothes. Besides that, I don't know. Anything else I should talk about, I guess? <laughs> right now we're just doing the introductions. Oh, okay. We're gonna, dive, we're gonna like, <laughs> dive deep into all these kind of things. But yeah, just letting everybody know who we are. Okay, cool. My name is Nadia and um, I am the Director of Operations at Bangtel. If you guys don't know or haven't heard of Bangtel. We're a design and hospitality company. We have um, kind of what you would think a home meets hotel um, all over Chicago, New York, and we're in Miami and Cabo and Park City and um, soon to be LA. Uh, so we design, we individually design each space and they're all themed out. and. Yeah, we host a lot of really cool people, and everyone loves them, and they're fun to look at and fun to have fun in. So, yeah. Well, uh, I also have an AKA. My name is Emma McKee, AKA the Stitch God. <laughs> it's such a funny, hi everyone, if you don't, if you never heard of me before, what an awkward thing to first hear about me. I call myself the Stitch God. Um, I didn't give myself that nickname. Um, I do custom, one-of-a-kind embroidered jackets for Chicago's creative class is the best way to sum that up. Yeah. That's like, that, you got that, like, succinct mission statement. Well, it's a really awkward thing to try and describe to people, so I've worked really <laughs> hard on getting it down to a science. Uh, I know we kind of covered this a little bit. Some of you already started to venture into this, but how did each of you get your start, you know, in the creative space that you're in? How did that happen for you? I know, I, Casey, you kind of, like, went into mm -hmm. that, and feel free to add anything, but but for everybody on the panel, how did this kind of begin for you guys? Um, I guess I'll go first. Um, so I have two other partners, uh, Brian Novato and Roger Rodriguez. One, they're like my brothers. One's my brother, but we're like brothers with Brian. Um, they uh, had helped start another store back a couple years back, and I guess uh, stuff things didn't work out, so Roger was like, oh, we should, we should just start a store. I was, uh, I was in school, and... Um, I was like, well, shit, fuck it. I'm down. I don't want to keep going to school. Uh, so, you know, uh, they're like, uh, they don't know anything about business or whatever. So I went to school for uh, electrical engineering and applied math, and I played sports and whatever. Um, so, yeah, basically, it was an opportunity. I went on Craigslist. I found the location. It was a, like, it was a lease, and the guy was trying to get out, signed the lease, and um, pretty much built out the store and then rebuilt it out again a, a couple years back. But basically it was like uh, somebody just said, like, hey, yo, let's do, let's do the store. Fuck it. Like, sorry, I don't know. Can I swear? No, you can absolutely <laughs> swear. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, it was like one of those situations where you just jump in the pool. Like I was telling her earlier, I'm a, it's like sink or swim situation. You, you know, you just dive in and just go with it. Mm -hmm. But yeah, that's how it started. It's, I love the fuck it, because that's how we have done our entire business. We had one of our good friends ask us, like, if you can narrow it, your success down to one moment, 
and it was when we said fuck it. Yeah. And I'm same with you, and probably all the way down the line, it's just yeah. you see a big risk in front of you, and you have to, you either take it or you don't. Your life stays exactly the same. You stay in school, yeah. or you say fuck it and take a completely different route. And that's oh, yeah. why that, everybody yeah. knows me as the, the guy that says fuck it all the time. <laughs> fuck it, let's just go with it. I already like the motivational tone of this panel. <laughs> but yeah. Um, so. So this is how Bangtail got started, right? Um, so Liz Clawford is actually the founder and um, owner of Bangtail, and I'm here on her behalf today. She founded Bangtail uh, three and a half years ago, but um, I did start in the baby stages, um, so I watched it grow along the way. How she got started was actually a little bit of an accident. She started renting her house out and ended up loving it and expanding, and you know, one after the other started designing spaces and, you know, partnering with developers and doing things um, and moving on and up and on and up. So, yeah, but how I started with Bangsell was a little bit more interesting. Um, I, well, I guess I think it's more interesting. <laughs> um, I started off in um, working in retail. I worked for Banana Republic Gap. I managed a store and I ended up Moving on to the travel industry, I worked for a luxury travel company, and that's where I met Liz, because we're both part, I don't know if anyone's ever heard of um, Young Travel Professionals. Yeah? Um, so Liz and I are actually the event coordinators, and that's how we met. And um, we're, she was like, yeah, I have this cool thing called Bangtel. And I was like, oh, it sounds cool. Let's do it. And I ended up coming in, and yeah. And Bangtel is Bangtel. Mm -hmm. Oh. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Do you want to talk about falling backwards into something? Um, how I got started? I feel like I feel like it was never an intentional. I never set out. I never was like, okay, now I'm gonna I'm gonna do cross stitch for uh, pop stars. I never sat there and I was like, let's do that. Let's figure out how. But it was more of a. It was something that I could do and I was able, and people seemed to want it, so I did it. I tell people that that probably the best. Probably my strongest suit is knowing when to quit doing something. Um, I've done like everything. Uh, I've done music production, videography, photography, I've sung opera, I play the piano, the violin, the drums, the drum. I mean like it goes on and on and on and on. But I mean I was a DJ for two years before I, before I even started stitching. I only started stitching three years ago. But I just knew when I got to a point with all those things, I'm like okay, if I put everything into any of these things, is that going to make a difference? Am I going to be like really great at this? Is, is this something that I'd want to pursue? And I would always find myself with the answer like, if you put everything into this, you're probably not going to, you're still probably not going to be like a concert pianist. You're still probably not going to be a great drummer. You're still not going to be the best DJ. You're still not going to be the best harmonica player. The list goes on and on and on. And so you can imagine my surprise when I got to cross stitching and I was like, this is what I'm best at? Okay. Um, <laughs> so, I mean, that's, uh, yeah, it was a supply-demand thing and me knowing when to cut myself off from other hobbies. So <laughs> that's how I got started. So each of you have been really successful in your own spaces and in, in the pursuits that you have activated. What have been some of the challenges? Because a lot of what you guys are doing is very entrepreneurial. It's very, like, DIY. So what kind of challenges come along with that? A myriad of challenges. <laughs> this question has an answer time of like 40 minutes. So. Yeah. Um, I'll go first, I guess. Um, the biggest, I guess, issue is like letting people know uh, that you exist. 
obviously it's a lot easier with uh, social media, Twitter, Instagram, Snapchat. But at the end of the day, it's like getting people, for us, it's a brick and mortar. We also do online, but getting people to come online and check out what we dropped or come into the store and see what we're doing. And in order to do that, we started, we know we would do in stores and work with local artists and work with local brands and just let people know by with events, parties, shows, uh, hey, this is what we do. We do our own clothing line and we sell cool clothes at the shop. Stop by if you have any questions, blah, blah. So it's like pretty much networking and getting people to know that you exist. And that's like the hardest thing. Like the way I see it is um, if you had like a great idea, but everybody, you know, caught on to it right away. Like, or if you asked for one penny and a billion people gave you a penny, you'd make so much money. But if nobody knows or nobody sees or, uh, you know, pays attention to what you're doing, then the success rate, uh, you could be the dopest at whatever you do, but if nobody sees it, sees it or hears you, it's tough. But yeah, that's the biggest issue, just getting your name out there and letting people know you're, this is what I do or this is what we do. Um, I was like trying to think about what the biggest difficulty for me was as soon as you asked that. And I, and I went through like a list of things, of things that are difficult, which is finding time and making and and you know, letting people know you exist and logistics and lots of like things. But honestly, I feel like, man, the hardest thing for me in uh, in any of this has been moving through a bunch of industries that are male dominated. To be totally honest with you, you know, there are there's there's uh, microaggressions every day of internalized misogyny, like everywhere you go, no matter what you're doing. And, and I, have, I have lots of people who support my work, who put me on, who like retweet me, who wear my gear, whatever, whatever. But being a woman in, in, in uh, a music industry, well actually, you know what, every industry is male dominated if I'm gonna be real, real about it. Um, and moving through those hurdles and, and, and working around things and, and having to prove that you are good at what you do because of your gender, that's tough for me. And especially in music, people are like, oh, you can't, you don't really, you know, you can't know that much about, about that stuff, can you? Do you? Okay. I'm like, uh. and also like the stigma of doing embroidery or the way that I choose to make is like fairly antiquated and, a, a, you know, embroidery is like a female, a, like a woman's craft or whatever. And having to, having to sidestep that, making it less about gender and more about like uh, an output and uh, is very difficult. Sorry if that wasn't so cohesive articulate. No, that's, I get I like really, I get like really bent out of shape when I have to think about it. <laughs> and I actually have a question. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, go ahead. Yeah. Now, because it is a, it has like a stigma of like a very soft and frilly thing to be doing. Did you struggle with bringing it into a modern time, or did that just happen naturally with you? I, I mean, for me, it was just about removing irony from work, right? Because uh-huh. like once you move, you know, when you think. When you think about embroidery, um, modern embroidery, you're thinking about like little cross-stitch things that have mm-hmm. you know little John lyrics or whatever, very subversive irony and stuff. I think mm-hmm. irony is really boring and played out. So as long as I stay away from that and like treat the medium as an actual, what it is. I mean, do you know any other medium that dictate, dictates the content that you're putting out more than cross-stitch or embroidery or any of those things? You're already thinking what it looks like. Yeah. With a painter, you're not like, oh, you're a painter. All of your work must look like Matisse. Mm-hmm. Of course you're not. But with cross-stitch, you're going, oh, it's going to look like this. So it's actually really, as long as I stay away from being, like, cutesy or ironic or, like, poking fun at any of the subject matter, mm-hmm. then I'm fine. Yeah. I just take the, I take it, I take the shit seriously. That's and awesome. that kind of lets me circumvent that. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Mm-hmm. 
So for me, I agree with all of you guys. I think media and marketing is like super hard. I 100% am on the same page as you. But I think for every entrepreneur, the biggest challenge is time. Um, I think with handling all of the things, the long laundry list of the things you have to do and struggling to make your business boom, it's so hard to do because you're constantly racing against the clock. I say it every single day. I'm always racing against the clock. There's so many emotions you have to deal with, the chores you have to do, your personal life, um, all of managing 50 projects at once. Meanwhile, you know, making everything look pretty is like a big, big challenge. And, you know, managing so many things at once is, if you do it successfully, the business will be successful. And yeah, I mean, it's time is the, is the biggest key in running a business. It's if you're on time, if you get everything done on time, if you manage your time, if you manage all of your people's time, everything will run smoothly. And, re- and remembering what you have to be doing during right. that time exactly. is one of the hardest like, things. Like, oh my God, there's always six things in every minute. So it's like... Yeah, like yeah. I was sitting here before then trying to figure out what was I supposed to have on the schedule tomorrow right. that's not there. Yeah. And then searching through all the emails. And if you miss find, it, you yeah. can say goodbye to the next, you know, dollar. Yeah. Opportunity yeah. with that. Right. Yeah. And I would say one of our biggest challenges when we first started was attempting to feel like balance was important. Like we, you, you hear everyone talking about balance. Balance is so important between your personal life and your business, but it's really not. <laughs> if you own your own business, there is zero balance There's because no balance. your entire life is your business. Oh yeah, you talk about it at every dinner. Every single There's person wants to talk about. Yeah. <laughs> so it's like. The second you decide that your entire life is your business, then the stress of trying to find balance, you just don't have to worry about that part anymore. And if you're attempting to always find balance, then maybe what you're doing isn't right because I don't want balance. I want every waking moment of my life to be this business. So, yeah. I, I feel that. Yeah. I subscribe to that. Same. Yeah. 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 yeah, same. Yeah. Um, so something I'm always interested in these discussions on panels and the podcasts that we do is like, what keeps each of you based in Chicago with, with the work? And I know like something like Bangtel also has, you know, outposts in other cities, but you still are centered and anchored in Chicago. So like, why be a creator in Chicago versus LA, New York, Nashville, Austin? I'm mad that everyone else is leaving. Like, (laughs) no, this is a conversation that we have often with a lot of our friends who are creators is there's this pressure that if you want to break out of like the Chicago ceiling that you have to leave and go to California or New York, but someone has to stay and hold down the fort. Like, and that's definitely something that we're conscious of. Like we absolutely love Chicago. We are Midwest people through and through, but yeah, we could move, but we're not going to because like Chicago is what formed us into the hardworking people that we are. And if everyone leaves, then there's nothing cool left. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, I guess I could I could answer. Uh, for us, uh, we definitely would like to expand, like LA, New York, or even overseas. But uh, I guess Chicago's home, and then that's what you know, and the people that you, you know, work with, the contacts that you made. Obviously, they, you know, when you travel and do trade shows, you meet more people, and then um, you get more familiar with another uh, area. But at the end of the day, it's like um, I feel like you said people do want to leave, but they always come back. Mm-hmm. Um, 
I feel like you shouldn't leave until you're actually ready. Like, and I don't know, you'll never be ready, but uh, it's like the jump in the pool thing, like sink or swim. But at the end of the day, it's like you could always have two locations, but be able to manage it if you have the right people with you, like right. to help you with the time management. Um, yeah, my goal was to like move to LA and ha like there's three of us, so Roger and Brian would be here, and then if we open another location in New York, somebody would move out, and then you could just you know fly back and forth. Mm -hmm. But it's so much easier, I, I guess. You get comfortable with at least I do with Chicago, because um, I know the city and I'm from here. I know a lot of people, but I don't know. One day maybe leave, but for now, I don't. You don't have to. Leave. I, I don't think you need to leave Chicago to make. Uh, an impact on other cities because you know wherever if you travel out of town and like when I go to LA or I go to New York and like or South by Southwest because I DJ also we go to nice. uh, you know Austin and it's like the presence is there like she, people know you're from Chicago wherever you go it's like where are you from and well let me guess Chicago because yeah. it's yeah. like that attitude yeah. that we have so <laughs> I don't know that's I, I honestly don't well, know. I mean, you ship your stuff other places, yeah, so yeah. you are everywhere. Yeah, yeah. We, yeah. Saw, we saw online, so, yeah. you know. You're everywhere. Yeah. Well, like, to piggyback on that, like, the attitude of Chicago, I mean, like, that's the, I mean, for me, personally, that's the reason to stay. Like, mm -hmm. I've never, I've, I've lived in a lot of cities uh, all over the U.S. and in Canada, and I've never seen a hustle better than a, a Chicago hustle. And I'm serious, like... It's just a different, it's a different beast. Like, you know when you're dealing with Chicago people outside of town because there's some weird thing that we do where we're just like, we're out of town, let's be the most yeah. in every situation and dominate every conversation, be the funniest and, the, and you know. But, like, they're, they're true. I've never seen a city work, um, work as hard as people in Chicago do. It's like a very blue-collar mentality. Uh, and also the Internet has democratized almost everything. So you don't really, I mean... The rent in New York is too high. I'm sorry, not sorry. It's where they used to make art. It's now where they sell it and commodify it. So, like, right. I'm not that interested in it, honestly. Yeah. And L.A. is, like, it takes two hours to get friggin' anywhere. And also the weather is the same all year round, which I, I go out to L.A. and I forget if I've been there for a week or an hour. Like, you know, the passage of time is just different. Um, in Chicago, you... There's not a whole lot of... There's not as much industry um, as there are in a, a lot of other media markets, especially, well, I mean, I speak from... A, you know, what I experience. I don't know as much about hospitality and building and making and mm -hmm. specifically what, you, what the two of you do. But, but in Chicago, if you are not good at what you do, people figure it out quickly and then right. you don't do it anymore. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, we have a really great self-filter where people who are good at what they do get places far and you know who you're dealing with and you know who to reach out to who's the best at whatever it is they're doing. It, and I and in New York and LA, the cities are just too big. There's too much, pardon me, bullshit, and uh, it's hard to find the people who are the best at what they're doing because there's just so much noise. And in Chicago, we don't put up with that. Also, word of mouth in Chicago is so amazing. Yes, and because really, if someone puts you on, if someone takes responsibility, is like recommending you or they talking about what you do. On the line. Yeah. Yes. Mm -hmm. Like you're, I'm never going to suggest anything that you do to somebody else unless your work is, 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 you know, is good. And I could also take pride in it. You know what I'm saying? And the the artist community here is tighter knit than anywhere else in the United States. So yes, definitely. If you if you get in here. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, that's the thing is if you can if you can make it work in Chicago, yeah. then you can you go can to LA anywhere. and you will eat. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I like it about Chicago too is it's like we're pretty we're relatively close to everything. We're either a right. short road trip Very or central. a short flight. Right. Yeah. Versus like if you're in a New York and you're going to LA, like that's a longer flight. I mean that's right. not the end of the world, but it's like mm -hmm. here you can dip pretty much anywhere within a few hours either yes. driving or flying. 
Mm-hmm. So yeah, if you need to take like a Thursday night meeting in LA, you can leave Thursday morning on a flight and be like, okay, I'm set for that. Yeah. 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 So, yeah. Um, and so, okay. So since the panel is really focused on creators and creating and creations, like what are some of the tools you guys use in your craft that you're able to use to, to be a maker? Whether that's a physical tool, a software, a digital platform, anything. Like what are the tools you use to help you create and make? Well, it's interesting for us because my every day is spent on my iPhone and that's my tool because I handle all of the marketing and advertising but then my husband and his team spend all of their days on antique tools building the furniture pieces so we are a real blend of a very old trade which is metalsmithing which goes back to like knights in shining armor and is as most traditional as you can get like sewing you know it's you can't get more traditional than that but at the same time the way we bring it and make it modern is that everything i do is on my the newest iphone i can get my hands on you know <laughs> you have the x yet Hmm. No, I did not want to wait in any lines. I'll wait. And spend a thousand dollars on a phone made of glass. See, I don't. That's a little. Yeah, I swear my fingerprints aren't gonna open that phone. My face is, yeah. is never gonna recognize me. No. Um, <laughs> but that's what I love about the tools and our industry is it's a fantastic collaboration of the most old school and the most new school technology possible. Like our some of the tools that we have in the shop, I can't even comprehend how old they are half the time. Like they're all what World War One, two colors. Oh yeah. my God! World That's War Two. So cool. How old is the Bridgeport? Yeah. So yeah. So we are using tools from the late forties, and then my iPhone, all in the same thing. It's it's awesome. Yeah. Super. Yeah. Um, for us, so Brian, one of the other partners, is um, our head designer. So obviously our laptops and um, Adobe Creative Suites, uh, just software, basic software for design, uh, Photoshop. We also have like a, you know, a plotter where we cut like vinyl and stuff. But mostly it's just software, laptops, and then like uh, anything that, like for creativeness, anything that influences uh, us directly or like childhood stuff or stuff that you grew up around um so when we design brian is our head designer but uh like me and roger will have our input or we'll be like oh we should design something like this that represents the store um because us as individuals are all different but when we like sit down and brainstorm uh like what's the new line going to look like or what should we work on or what are we thinking about so we just did our anniversary party and one of the theme was chicago everywhere and like we were saying earlier because we do feel like Chicago is everywhere, and there's people from Chicago. If you go anywhere out of town, you're bound to run into somebody. But um, yeah, it's more like whatever influences um, us that represents the store. So people might say that our designs are more older polo-based stuff, like the Ralph Lauren stuff, because you know that's like timeless stuff. But I mean, there's more to that, but that's just one of the things. But yeah, mostly software. Well, and I'm, I'm just curious, Manny, too, like, you guys are obviously, like, you're producing physical items, like, T-shirts and hats and stuff like that. Like, how do you find the, you know, like, without spilling all the trade secrets yeah. of how Juggernaut works, like, how are you finding the resources for the actual merch items? So, the, the hardest part when we first started, I had to find a screen printer. And we went through a lot of screen printers, and it goes back to people don't want to recommend, you, mm-hmm. like, oh, you, you know, this is my screen printer, but... 
you could look online and find somebody. It took forever <laughs> to find a reliable screen printer because what I noticed is uh, screen printers are also artists and they don't really want to be screen printing. They want to be doing their own stuff. But the reason they're doing that is because they get money yeah. so they could do what they want to do. So um, after a couple of times of going through maybe the first five years, we it took... I used to have to like I used to call the screen printers and complain like yo this is messed up give us our money back blah 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 finally I found a big company that uh, they were willing to take us on as a new uh, client but our orders our numbers weren't as high or the I guess their minimums were too high and then he was like yo but like this guy just quit he started his own screen printing uh, business go with him and he's actually from Michigan and he's really dope and like he you know very professional his main thing is like this is what I do I'm not an artist this is you know but I know the art um so like I guess the question was like what uh, how hard is it to find or what are the mediums or, or yeah just yeah just how you guys did it oh uh, yeah. yeah just pretty much like I guess recommendations and then like uh actually like finding the uh, garments like trying them on at trade shows and being like oh I really like this blank or when we do cut and sew uh cut and sew is where you um Say, for example, this vest I'm wearing, I really like the way it fits, but I may not like this pocket and I want to change the pocket or whatever. So you have to create a pattern and then you have to create the grading, the sizing for it. So what you would do is um, find somebody who knows how to make a pattern and a pattern is the way that it will fit. And you, you just alter the fit, alter what you want on it, and then you know decide the si sizing, like do you want the sleeves to be, or like no, you know, baggier on the side or whatever whatever it is that you're working on um it's just all the you know working with the right people and them knowing like what it is that you want and then doing samples and then going back to the drawing board and you know it's it's a super long process and it's it's kind of expensive but uh again it's uh, in my opinion it's all like recommendation and knowing what you like and how stuff fits and how you personally want to be represented when people do uh wear your clothes um, so for Bangtel, it's a little bit different than everyone up here because we don't have an actual physical product that we sell. Um, the biggest thing for us is communication. So we're always looking for new tools of communication and how to communicate because we're always communicating. There's a lot of different you know, things that we use, like our phones and uh, computer and all the different, you know, Slack, WhatsApp, um, you know, any messaging system. We have lists. We use all the, the docs and the, the things that are provided with mm -hmm. um, all the different softwares. But I think the biggest tool for an industry like us is the people that work at Bangtel. If there's, if you don't have the right people, then you're not going to make anyone happy because if someone's not communicating, or they don't understand, or they don't do it right, or they don't actually care, then it's never gonna get done right. I think your people are your biggest tool when you have a business. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. So, yeah. Well, my tool set is kind of, it, I mean, it's kind of a mixture of all of y'all's actually. I mean, because I use like the antiquated, I mean, I do a lot of leather working. I mean, besides the cross stitch stuff, I've moved into doing like custom performance wear more or less for a lot of artists. Um, and so basically I'm just designing like a one-off jacket and then just make it as extra as I possibly can. Um, so I, I use lots of traditional tools like uh, leather carving stuff and hammers and stamps and needles and thread and all this stuff. But also you have to use technology. Mm -hmm, I mean, right. that's the ultimate tool. Like I would not exist 
I mean, I would exist. I'd be Emma McKee, but I would not be. I would not be, exist as the Stitch God if if Chance the Rapper had not DM'd me on Twitter. You know what I'm saying? Like, and I don't even have a lit Twitter. Uh, I'm terrible on Twitter, but I mean, if that tool didn't exist for me, mm-hmm. that connection would never have been made. All of this other stuff wouldn't have happened. Um, but then, and, and also a network is so important because if I didn't have people supporting me or wearing my stuff or believing that like, yeah, cross-stitch is a viable form of, of streetwear, which it is now, and without people to believe in you and further your vision, then that's, you know, that's a hugely valuable tool. And beyond that, when Manny was talking about just getting things, you know, an assembly line of sorts, right? You start with the design, you make and, you know, you sample products or whatever. Um, I have a team of 11 people at any given time working on fits for me. And, and word oh. of mouth and finding people. And when you find somebody like your screen printer in Michigan, yeah. when you find the right person for that, oh, my God. Oh, yeah. You stick to them and pray that they never leave your side. I mean, I have two guys who stitch leather for me. I have two seamstresses. I have four graphic designers. Um, I mean, the list goes on and on and on. Um, Hold on one second, Emma. Yeah. Uh, gentlemen, up at the top. Sorry to be... Gentlemen. Guys, at the restroom. <laughs> Let's, sorry, we're doing a panel. Sorry to be rude. Sorry. I know, that's um, rude. I'm sorry. I, we couldn't hear each other in the room. So, sorry, I'm going to No, it was cool. It was a good, I thought it was a good answer. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I can't remember where I, where I was exactly. Uh, yes, I do. Um, but, yeah, but once you find somebody who, who, who works the same way that you do, who is very good at what they do, you hold on to them. And I was talking to Manny earlier about, well, just, like, outsourcing, right? Because, I, like I said, I just started cross-stitching three years ago. So it's, like, crazy that I'm, A, any good at it, and, B, that, like, I'm this kind of good at it. It's crazy. But there's a lot of stuff that I don't know about. So like people, people ask me, like, why don't you learn how to sew? I'm like, why, why would I learn how to sew now? Why wouldn't I just go find somebody who's like really raw at sewing to sew for me? And I'll be like, you, right. here's my idea. Can you do that? Mm-hmm. I find someone to do patterns for me. I, I, my, my goal is always to find the person that is the most accessible to me, who does it the best, who may or who probably isn't an artist, honestly. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Because like I, I've my graphic designers, I've gone through a ton of them because I had a whole lot of artists, yeah. and I couldn't tell. I would, you know, I'd be like, "Here's what I want to do," but they would, you know, they're not. And as you should, as yeah. an artist, you should put your own spin on yeah. things. But I didn't need that in my work. Yeah, I was trying to collab. express. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I'm not trying to collab or build, yeah. fam. I'm trying to get this jacket <laughs> done. You feel yeah. me? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, no fun. And and like you know, I, I leave artists the art to artists or whatever. And um, I don't really need that input when I'm trying to make my own art. Yep. Yeah. It's your vision. So yeah. You, you just do do it how I said. Well, ex- well, yeah. exactly. But but like no no shade to anybody who who interprets it their way. Like yeah. that's that's how artists work. It's like you know. Um, but it's just about finding the right fit of people to work with. Oh my God, I cannot even. That's the best that's tool. The, are the, the yeah. are the quality of people. And right. if you're looking around, the quality of people that you're working with are not. Right. <laughs> Where I mean, you gotta change some stuff up because they have to be as good as you want your timeline. product to be. Yeah, yes. getting them getting it done on time because you have to meet deadlines. Well, at least for us, like when we do big projects, they need it by a certain date. And if your printer is not on point, or if your manufacturer for cut and sew is not on point, or your hat manufacturer, then it's like you're gonna miss the deadline. You're gonna miss the window. You're gonna miss the sales. You're you're out. Well, yeah, and if yeah. they don't, and if they don't care, you know, you, you got to just have people who care about the work and and like the skill set enough that care that want yeah. to be able yeah. to do the best to their ability. And guess what? Most people in the world are like that. So, yeah, <laughs> so we're gonna ask one or two more kind of like quick lightning round questions because I assume a couple people in the audience hopefully have some questions as well. Um, and this has all been really, really killer. Uh, so let's talk about like funding because everybody in here is is independent or operating, you know, as an entrepreneur. So, like, 
if I am assuming, there's probably not like larger corporations shoveling cash at anybody here at this table. So how do you guys fund the work that you're doing? How do you monetize your creative work as creators? You know, because that's not always very easy. Yeah, it's the part that you forget you have to do. Like, you need money to run, but that's, like, if you're an artist, it's the last thing you want to be thinking about. You don't want to be chasing money. You don't want to, you know, but, like, our very first day in business, because we started in business on accident, we didn't have a corporate bank account. We didn't have a legal corporate name, and a person wrote a check to our business name, and we couldn't cash it. Do you know what I mean? Like, it's stuff like that. They're like, oh, shit. I need that money. So I just remember us being at the bank, like just begging the guys, like, please deposit the check, please deposit the check. He would not deposit the check. So we had to like drive downtown to go like file a DBA in a newspaper so we could open a bank account. Like it's stuff like that, that like our entire business was built on that one $1,600 check. And then we just kept it rolling. And it's, it was crazy and stressful, but we did it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, for us, it was more of a um, use our credit cards and some cash and then like hit up my parents like, yo, we need 1600 bucks, like so we could put down on this equipment that we need or, you know, build out the space. Because like when we, I first found uh, Juggernaut on Craigslist, it was it was a computer business um, and the guy wanted to get out of the lease. And I was like, yo, this, this is like a location that we like because it's right out by all the schools and uh, easy transportation and blah, blah, blah. And um, I was like, fuck, like, we need, like, at least 50 grand to build this place out. But then I was like, my, you know, engineering side took over. I was like, fuck it. We could do it really cheap. Let me just go to Home Depot real quick. Let's see what they have. (laughs) Real quick. And then I went to Home Depot, you know, spent, like, I think I put 1,200 bucks on my credit card. Uh, All just, like, you know, stuff I needed to build out, like, like, closet like you know, mm-hmm. indoor closet, just like we need some racks. I moved, uh, I tore it down. There was like a wall. I tore it down and moved it all the way to the back. I did, I did it all myself with uh, Roger and Brian, but they weren't like more like the construction guys. I was like, fuck it. I help my dad every summer build shit out. I know how to do this. So we just did that and then just wrote it out. Um, ended up going to LA. I mean, LA, yeah, LA for the first trade show. I didn't even go. Roger and Brian went. And we got, like, whatever accounts we could get. Um, and at that time, you sign up for it, you know, they'll send it over. You could use your credit card, pay for whatever. Um, and we weren't making any money, so I was going to go to pharmacy school. Um, so that was my backup. But I got a job at uh, the pharmacy, Target Pharmacy, uh, because I was like, you know, if I got to eat, I got to pay rent and all that. So I was, like, doing the Target job. I would go uh, to the store, open the store, go in the morning, and then leave by like 2.33, go to, go to the pharmacy, stay there till 10, and 10, 11, and then go to, go to sleep like at 1, 2, get up in the morning, do it again, like every single day for like three years, like three, four years, and then finally we made enough money that we could pay ourselves. And yeah, like it's pretty much credit cards and debt for us. And really hard work. Yeah, and dedication. Like, yeah. You believed in yourself enough to wake up every day and go to your other job. Oh yeah, it was like uh, the whole my, my whole mentality is like sink or swim. Like, well, I mean, like, I think you can make anything work as long as you put enough focus and time into it, and they have the right opportunities. And we started doing shows, uh, parties, and like, you, oh, we get an extra hundred bucks. Cool. Like, hey, that, this is gonna pay my insurance. Fuck it. But like, <laughs> you know, I could eat uh, or whatever. But mm-hmm. yeah, it was like a struggle at first. But like. After three years, we broke even. Um, I got shitty credit. 
I'm working on my credit right now. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, so that's what happens, you know, you go in debt, you know, shit, like paid everything back and yeah, just keep moving forward. But if you believe in it, I mean, I feel like this, like I put all this time into it. I'm not going to let it die. Fuck it. You know, I got to do whatever it takes. But yeah. And that $100, man, like, especially when you're starting out, like, when you get an extra $100 you weren't expecting, you're like, oh my God, what, oh, do, I, what do I use this, this treasure on? Do I buy groceries? Yeah, do I pay my electric? Time. Like, the choices are endless. <laughs> and then you just, I ended up wasting on food. I'm like, fuck it, I'm gonna go eat good. <laughs> That's me, though. Yeah. Yep. But yeah, yeah, 100 bucks, 50 bucks, 75 bucks, even like 20 bucks is like, oh shit, I could eat today. <laughs> right, right, right. Today yeah. just turned around. Yeah. yeah. Um, I think with any small business, everyone's always chasing money. I think that's like just the nature of how it works. Um, for us, it's honestly, I truly believe as long as everyone's moving and doing something, it'll the business will move. If you're not focusing and you mentioned just staying focused and keeping up, it's you're not going to make money. Everyone on your team has to keep moving. You know, word, media, marketing, all that stuff just has to keep flowing. Um, and when times are tough, you push harder and you starve and you push and push and push your people and, you know, you you make the next dollar. Um, for Bangtel, it's like, you know, we're, it, again, we don't have a product. It's all based on season. So we do have a winter season and it gets really slow. So we have to, you know, gather our nuts for the winter. and as long as you're pushing for it and you know what's coming and you are confident in what you're doing, I think it just comes with it all. So. I always find the money question really awkward because I'm the complete opposite of everything, like everything that makes sense. I don't sell anything. Um, I do one-on-one -on -one customs for people and they take so long and they take so much of my energy and everything that I just, uh, I don't think I'd want to make them for the kind of people that could afford them, you feel me? Like, uh, my stuff, I calculated it out once. It depends on the jacket. I'm making a jacket for Lil Yachty right now that would probably, that should probably cost about four or $5,000. But I'm not always making stuff for people like that. But um, I, I still work my corporate job. I have a super cushy corporate nine to five that uh, ha allows me unlimited paid vacation and uh, is cool with getting emails like, I have a chance to make a jacket for Major Laser. Can I leave early today? And they're like, yeah, and they really support it. And that's very, very lucky. Um, but I also put up hella good numbers and I'm in their top 5% of sales. So like they kind of let me do my own thing because I'm excelling in my workplace. Um, but I actually do have, I mean, the money that I make off of my art, um, I don't, like I said, I do trades, I don't sell anything. But actually, I get paid for telling my story more often than not. I, you know, there's like this brand bonanza happening where every single major brand wants to figure out how to tell a genuine story. Um, and they'll pay me to tell mine. And I'm happy to do it wearing your shoes, you know? Yeah. <laughs> if it keeps, if it keeps uh, me from not having to, to make money off of the art that I'm making for people, because when you take money out of the conversation about art, it changes it entirely. Um, people, people moving around in Chicago, I think maybe look at me a little differently or trust me a little bit more with the, the stuff I'm making for them because I'm not trying to get their dollar from them. I'm trying to make art for art and um, I finance that by, by going to work at 8.30 every day and coming home at five and then immediately stitching until about midnight and falling asleep and doing it again. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh. So final question here before we open it up to Q&A. Uh, what advice would you guys give for anybody in the room, anybody watching the stream, listening to this podcast later on? Like, 
What advice would you give for anybody looking to activate as a creator, an entrepreneur, a maker, you know, with their own idea that they've been wanting to put out into the world, that they've been wanting to make, you know, go from an idea to an actual concept or product? Make sure it's good and pay your bills first. Don't let anyone tell you not to do what you love. Just keep on pushing for it. I would say, like, uh, as cliche as that Nike lo- uh, was a slogan, just do it, uh, jump in the pool, and just if you're it. a survivor, you'll swim. <laughs> if not, uh, I'm sure people won't let you, so you'll figure it out. You Someone's going to tell you. Yeah. Someone's, Someone's going to be like, yeah. quit it, Someone man. Will, right. Someone will pull, pull the life uh, vest out for you. But, um, yeah, just jump in. Don't be take afraid. Take the risk. Yeah, take the risk. I'm going to piggyback on that. Stop procrastinating. Yeah. Yeah. Everyone is just talking about the thing they want to do and no one's actually doing it. So that's a perfect opportunity for the person who's going to do it to get ahead of everybody else. I love it. Uh, This has been killer, Matt. I'm so thankful for each of you taking the time to be here tonight. This is a really, really great conversation. I'm excited to put this podcast out as well Mm because I want so many people to hear everything you guys just said. Uh, we're going to open up to Q&A in just a second, but in the meantime, let's give it up for all of our panelists here tonight. Uh, Casey Middleton from Wayward Machine Company, uh, Manny Rodriguez from Juggernaut, Nadia Shalabi from Bangtel, That's right. and uh, Emma McKee, the Stitch God. Thank you guys so much. Thank you. Yeah. yeah thank you for having us. You've been listening to a production of Dynasty Podcasts. Find more Dynasty Podcasts at DynastyPodcast.com. For the dynamic dynasty, Dynasty Descend.